Welcome into the Landry Football Podcast Network. It's another edition of SEC Football and Beyond. And we thought we'd take some time to take you through the process of the Auburn coaching search. It's obviously ended now with you freeze being announced uh, on uh, Tuesday officially. Uh, the 53-year-old freeze has, uh, uh, has made his way to the Plains. And uh, there has been a lot of talk. Uh, about how it played out and uh, what really happened to the whole search. And so we thought we'd touch on a few things for you to uh, get an idea, a little bit of an insight, how it played out with the Auburn administration, John Cohen, the key boosters. Um, uh, Let's go back a little bit and let's discuss when the last hire was made. Um, Alan Green, the athletic director, hiring Brian Harson. There is no secret that, the key booster, Jimmy Rain, and there are a couple of others, or a few others, but he's the most noteworthy, uh, was interested in Hugh Freeze getting the job. It was Alan Green that said, I'm going to make the hire, and he basically made his hire of Brian Harson, who's a very good coach, but as we talk about very often, was not a fit, and we thought it wasn't a good fit, and in places like this, it is important, you hear this term a lot, alignment you've got to get a line and just simply what that means it's simple it should be common sense but for clarification if needed it's when you have everybody on board in the administration of the school the athletic department that are that are key it doesn't mean that everybody in the athletic department has to feel that way but certainly you've got to have president chancellor board of trustees um athletic director, head coach, key boosters that are going to be funding a lot of what you need to fund to run an athletic department, all have to have the same vision and all have to be on board with the hire. Now, it does not mean that everyone's going to agree that this is the best fit or not. Um, As it came down to this search, it was clear again that Hugh Freeze and Lane Kiffin were the two guys they were focused on. Yes, they vetted a lot of guys a guy for example like Matt Rule was not interested in the Auburn job not that Auburn offered to him not that you know they they said this is the guy we want most of the time what I don't think people see is when you have a courtship when you have a vetting out process that vetting out process is you determine whether it's a fit for both sides And it was very clear, as we discussed many times here, Matt Rule is a developmental coach. He wanted to go somewhere where he can build the program in his vision, in his way. Uh, It's got a nice personality and gets along well with people, but there's not going to be a comfort level in a place like Auburn where it would have been too much like a Brian Harson. We're going to take my time, going to develop it. I'm going to do it a certain way. He's going to have that time at Nebraska to do it the way he wants to do it. At Auburn, you pretty much have to do it a different way. You have to do it the way they want it done. You have to know how to stroke the right people's egos. And that's what you for is. He's nothing if he's not a politician. He's a good football coach. But he's a politician. He knows how to work the room. 
In fact, if anything, he may be too much politician and that he's certainly a lot, a lot thin skinned and he's more on the attack when people criticize him in the media. But he is the type of football coach that they want. And he's the type of guy that can work the room and stroke the right folks. Was he number one on some people's lists in the Auburn faction? Yes. Was he was he number two or three or less than some others? Yes. But to come together, and this is where I thought John Cohen did a really good job, <clears throat> by thoroughly vetting all the candidates, working and involving and listening to key personnel, and then going through the process of saying this is, I think, the best way we ought to go, and getting the maybe the folks that weren't quite as on board on board to this is the way we need to get it done. It's almost like it's better to have everyone aligned rather than have the best candidate and not everybody's on board. It's what I've learned and what I've taken into coaching searches, like when I drafted players, there were times where I thought, that I would prefer player A than player B. But, and and there, because it was close and the grades were similar, if player B was the guy that the coach, the position coach, the coordinator, and the head coach were a little bit more comfortable with, I didn't want to force player A into, uh, in, into the mix. I'd, I'd rather take player B because I thought there'd be a better chance with everyone aligned. Now, the difference would be, of course, if I clearly thought somebody was a better player, then it'd be my, it was my job to convince them why player A was the better fit and, and still get them on board and aligned. But sometimes you got to know when to, when to approach it. In coaching searches, I see it the same way. So where were they going with this? How did this go about it? There was a lot of belief that Lane Kiffin would be a good fit. Um, and I have no doubt that he could have done a good job if that's where it was going to go. You hear a lot of reports about, well, it was Lane's job. It was, you know, he turned it down. It was this. So let me just cut to the chase. It was um, the first thing you got to know is that Jimmy Sexton represents both Euphrase and Lane Kiffin. Uh, I do believe that the goal for Jimmy Sexton representing Lane Kiffin was to make sure that Lane was in a better situation. Whether that better situation was at Ole Miss, where he could get not only more money for him, but more money for the program, more length of the years on the deal, and they were creative on how they did that, more money for NIL, more money for staff, remember, losing two coordinators last year. One of them was likely going to go either way, but the other one left strictly for money. Um, things like that, in the eyes of Lane, was a hurdle and a problem at Ole Miss and a frustration for him there. That's something that he, through Jimmy Sexton, worked to upgrade. So in either, in either case, it was kind of like, well, okay, he used them. Yeah, he did use them for leverage. There's no question he used Auburn for leverage. But let me explain something about leverage. You can't use leverage unless you're willing to take that job. Leverage doesn't work if you're not willing to go forward with them because what if 
Ole Miss had resisted on some of these situations. Well, I think he would have taken the Auburn job because I think they would have offered it to him and it would have got to that. And that's where he ended up because I think he felt like that there was a ceiling there at Ole Miss. And I think to some degree, if a better job comes open down the road, I think he'd still consider it. He's got young kids. They like Oxford. They're living with his ex-wife in California, but they're spending a lot of time. The daughter is probably going to go to Ole Miss. She likes it so much. The young son, who you've probably seen on the sidelines, is very involved in coming to games and seeing his dad a lot, and he's got a lot of friends in Oxford. So they like it. That's a big part of it. But still, you've got to have a program that you feel can match up and compete on a somewhat parallel level to other programs. Well, he got that through Ole Miss. And I felt like if all things were equal, he'd probably stay at Ole Miss. Although the Auburn situation had some intrigue to it. I think of the two, Lane is not the guy that is comfortable with the glad-handing role. He's not the guy that's very personable. Everyone thinks he's got a great personality because they see what they see on Twitter. He is not a guy that's going to be the old folksy, southerner, backslapping, you know, fundraising. That's not Lane. So it's not the ideal fit. And, and it was not the guy that a couple of the key boosters were in favor of. But he certainly was a guy that they weren't against, but they preferred Hugh Freeze. Well, as this process developed, and it was, and we we talked about it here on LandryFootball.com and on on Twitter, we put it out that that there is basically uh, before Thanksgiving, about Tuesday of Thanksgiving week, it was pretty clear that what the offer had taken place with Ole Miss, uh, that it was leaning towards at least Auburn felt like they needed to ratchet up finalizing some sort of deal with, with Hugh Freeze. And obviously being able to work with Jimmy Sexton on both was both a positive to have to deal with one guy, but somewhat of a negative because Jimmy knows both information and both sides. You know, Auburn doesn't know what Ole Miss is thinking. Ole Miss doesn't think what Aub- know what Aub- Auburn's thinking. Jimmy knows what both are thinking. So he has them a bit over a barrel, so to speak. And the reality is, is that um, he got a great deal for him at Ole Miss for him to stay there. I don't think he was, again, as comfortable serving some of the masters, uh, the boosters in the program. And if you don't know Lane like I do. Lane is kind of a a little bit of a waffle on this and that and decisions. And I think Auburn became a little uncomfortable that, again, Jimmy had let him down the road. All those leaks about him being the favorite was leaks put out by Jimmy's side. And it, it spurred big movement on Ole Miss's side to keep him. We know how it works, that the athletic directors today had an old Miss. A lot of their fans, they say, let him go. Let him go. You know what? 
but most people would have criticized him if they had let him go. Now, the positive is that Ole Miss, at least they will up their game, and regardless who's coaching them in future years, it's going to be a better job because they're putting more into the program. But there's no question we'll never know how interested Lane was truly in leaving. I think he was. But once Ole Miss began to up their financial commitment, then I think he was less interested in making the move, which is kind of where that kind of turned. And you, the whole thing about, well, he turned them down this and that. Folks, let me explain something. No one ever turns down a job. You, you, you just kind of go away. In essence, you never offer a job to someone unless you know they're going to take it. It's like giving your love, a, your love of your life a ring. You, usually you're going to pop the question when you know that what the answer is going to be. I know there are exceptions to that, but that's the reality of it. It never got to that point. In fact, it it yes, he was interested. I hear people say, oh, he absolutely was going to take it. It was the last minute. This happened. Boom. And the news came out and all of that. Folks you're going to hear from everybody that says, oh, absolutely is interested. Absolutely we expect the deal. But because that's the news that's being put out. It's being put out for a reason. It is being leaked for a reason to make Ole Miss squirm and, and get a little bit more. My understanding is that the deal that Ole Miss gave, yeah, that was in place for a while, but they committed to a couple of other minor things at the last minute that just – because of that pressure of losing him, he was able to get. So that's kind of how it played out. Now, the whole – it was leaked by a TV station and or whatever. Well, that was because it was leaked. That wasn't made up by the media. That was news that was given to them. The problem with some of these guys in the media is that they don't really know how the game is played. They get used a lot. They get used a lot in the leverage game. Um, I do believe Lane would have taken the Auburn job. If Ole Miss said, this is all we can do, a four-year deal, we can do this, we can only go so far on this, that, and the other, then I think he'd have taken the Auburn job. Because at that point, the Auburn job gives him more of what he feels he needs to compete. But I don't think he was as comfortable going to Auburn as people think. I think he would have made it work. I think it could have been successful. I think you is the right type of personality that they're looking for. We'll see how well he's going to be on the field. He's a good coach. There's no reason that I think he can't be successful or be an upgrade of what they've been, but we'll see how it plays out. I think he's he has got some of Gus Malzahn in him and that he's a unique offensive mind, but he's a little he's a better coach in terms of being a little bit more eclectic at working with quarterbacks. Uh, he has some of the tempo stuff that Gus likes and the power run out of the spread that Gus likes. But I think he was a better uh, coach at being able to do things, doing things multiple. And I think he's a better recruiter than Gus ever was. So I think those things are going to be important. Put together a staff is going to be the most pivotal thing. But I do think the fact that if you notice that when Hugh – announced that he was going to take the job or announced that when they announced him as the head coach, the first thing he did was talk about Cadillac Williams. 
that's the other thing. He embraced, he was willing to take the Auburn job as Auburn wanted him to take it, meaning this is, they didn't make demands, but there's the wink and the nod that we really think this and that. And he was, yeah, I love that. Cadillac was great. Love to have him on our staff. Look, if Lane takes that job, I'm not certain that Cadillac Williams would have been the associate head coach or anything like that because I think Lane wants to do his own thing. I think Hugh was absolutely willing to do whatever they needed him to do. Well, why did it take so long? Well, if, if, it, if it was Tuesday and they started to get a little bit of cold feet with, with Lane and they started to really ratchet up even more of the negotiations with you, Freeze, why did it take so long, you asked? Well, there's a couple of things. One, they're still trying to feel out Lane and seeing where that's gone. But they're also, again, trying to work two deals, two separate deals for either coach. But as as I said, they're moving more towards you, Freeze. There's also trying to protect the Iron Bowl and having Cadillac to have a chance to coach that Iron Bowl without a decision being announced to take away from that, you know, big game and a big moment for those players. And I applaud that. I don't believe if somebody said that they had Lane on the hook and they left him off. That's not what happened. It was Lane backing away because, again, to describe it better, is Lane was – interested in Auburn if they could give him what Ole Miss wanted, what, what Ole Miss couldn't. Once Ole Miss started to give him, because listen, he wasn't going to get the $6.5 million deal that Hugh Freeze got. He was going to get nine to $9.5 a year in that range. Um, and you notice what they did. One of the big ho- uh, holdups is that you don't have a long-term deal at Ole Miss because state law allows you only four-year contracts. Well, they structured this contract through another firm that the money was funneled in, so he's got a long-term deal. So he now has a long-term buyout if if things flame out at Ole Miss. Ole Miss is going to be on the hook for a lot. So he's got that guaranteed money. That allows him, if he wants to walk away from Ole Miss, he can. But if he doesn't work out, then he's got a lot more money, not just per year, but a lot more money owed to him than would have ever been done before. Well, these are the things that Auburn could provide that Ole Miss could not provide until Ole Miss made changes and provided it. That's his deal. But on top of that, as I mentioned, the staff, the support staff, um, the NIL, all of those things were a big factor. So was he interested in the Auburn job? He absolutely was interested in the Auburn job. It pushed the envelope to where the Ole Miss job, at least contractually on what he was going to be given, became competitive with what he had at Auburn. And it allowed him to stay there and not have to make that move where he felt a little bit 
uncomfortable perhaps with maybe not the demands, but the strong suggestions that would come along with, along with the glad handing that goes along with this job that maybe he's not ideally suited for. So I do think there's a little bit of a better fit there. And so why did it take long? Well, as you get to past the iron ball, um, there's a couple of finished items that needed to be done on Hugh Freeze. There was some last minute things that they probably should have handled a little bit better beforehand, but there were probably some last minute, I would call it, you know, going over the checklist, going over again, making sure that everybody's on board. And people say, well, why did it take so long? You got to remember a lot of cooks in the Auburn's kitchen. So uh, they could have had him a long time ago. Well, they didn't want him a long time ago. Okay, I mean, they wanted him, but they also wanted Lane. So they had to make a decision, and that had to play out. Then they got to make sure that they run it through up this flagpole and that flagpole. And that takes a little bit more time. And it's why it took until really Sunday and uh, for it to kind of play out, uh, Sunday, Monday, for it to to, to really get out and, and – clearly make it a, a done deal. So that's kind of how it plays out. Um, it was a negotiations that were weeks. Now people say, well, so if they, they've been negotiating with him for weeks, well, then he was the guy all along. No, they were negotiating with both coaches with the same agent. So Monday was where it, it, it finished up. But one of the key factors was, once Lane was out of the picture, then it became a complete focus of uh, that last week to 10 days on Hugh Freeze. Um, why was Lane so upset about the announcement was because he knew that he had kind of backed off on it. And then there was talks about him leaving. And it affected. It was a distraction. No question it was distracting leaving into the egg ball. And the distraction that he had and maybe him thinking about it and dealing with it uh, and certainly tweeting at every drop of a hat um, was not good. It was not a good look. It made him look bad. And the denials and this and that, he never quite denied it. And they said, well, why wouldn't he deny it? And the answer, why wouldn't he deny it prior to the egg ball? was because they were still finalizing all the little details in the Ole Miss deal. You don't want to come out and lose leverage if you're him and Jimmy Sexton. And so they're saying, well, we'll just, just be coy about it and don't definitely say anything. Because once you do that publicly, then you really are locked in. And if they say, you know what, we can't do this, we can't do that, or we won't do this or won't do that. Well, once you've kind of committed publicly to staying, you lose that leverage. So he didn't want to have to deal with the distraction, but he also wanted to have the lingering thought that he might leave be in the minds of the Ole Miss administrators so that he can maximize whatever he was doing there. So he didn't like the fact that it came out publicly, but he, he certainly liked the fact that privately it was something that Ole Miss was working on. And that's why it took a little longer and why the frustration blew up because Lane at that point knew that he wasn't leaving, but he also was put in a position where he couldn't really say I'm staying because he's trying to get a little bit more 
for his program at Ole Miss that he may not have gotten had he formally announced, look, I'm not leaving Ole Miss. So it's a wanted to control the narrative. He couldn't control the narrative, and he was frustrated with it. So that's kind of how it played out there. Um, Freeze is a good friend of Gus Malzahn. Um, I know that Gus wanted to hire him. Nick Saban wanted to hire Hugh Freeze on his staff. Um, there's no question that while there's not been any definite that I'm aware of uh, mandates that you can't hire him, I think it was frowned upon. And I think the discussion was it's not a good look for the school or for you, Hugh, to come back this quickly. And I, I think that's kind of where it's played out. Um, the other thing to keep in mind for Auburn, they're not doing this for financial reasons. They got the guy, I think that at least some people, call it like it is Jimmy Rain, and a couple of other booster folks wanted. I would say more of the booster folks wanted um, Hugh Freeze, whereas the administrators um, preferred Lane. <clears throat> but they both were not so staunch that they couldn't be brought into the middle. In getting the guy that I think is going to align pretty quickly, because I think the Auburn administrators will will align correctly with what the boosters wanted, um, they're getting him at a much cheaper price, probably saving about $25 million overall that they can put towards, you know, future, you know, um, you know, staff, current, uh, immediate staff, future staff, a lot of different things. So uh, if you look at the Harson $15.5 million buyout, Gus got um, $21 million. And I mean, it's a, it's a large amount of money that they're paying. So essentially this offset some of the money that they're having to pay for coaches, dead money that they're paying for coaches. So, uh, we'll we'll uh, see how it plays out in terms of how what does you freeze bring? I think a couple of things. He has recruited well in the past, and I don't think people and I know people will say, "Well, look at what he did and how he did it." Uh, fair point, understand that. But he has recruited well, recruited very well at Ole Miss, getting players that they normally don't get. I think he will recruit very well. I think he's really good at coaching and developing quarterbacks and putting together a good offense. I think the one thing that two things that would concern me one on the football field is he has not been the best at always hiring the best staff. That was a little bit of a problem at Ole Miss. Now he's going to have better resources in which to hire better staff. And let's see what he's able to do with that. I thought his staffs at Ole Miss were very average, but don't have quite the resources, uh, at least in the past. Now, apparently it's changing with Lane, and that's good for Ole Miss and Lane. That is something that I think is going to be important to watch. The other thing is just going to be, you know, the Hugh Freeze situation, think what you want, think that his behavior has been disgusting, and I'm, I'm not going to disagree with you. And um, some of the mistakes he's made, whatever. The big concern I would have 
is in terms of how it relates to coaching football is judgment, making good judgment. Um, he's going to get criticized. He's in a fishbowl. People are going to attack him. He is going to have to learn how to grow some thick skin. He can't chase every criticism because he will never have time to do his job and he will fail. He has to block that out. He has to prove it all on the field. And he has to prove it by not having anything come out. He cannot do anything off the field that's in any way questionable or he's going to be fired with cause. And so that it goes without saying, but he can't be doing things on social media and what have you that are going to bring more attention and more of a critical eye on him. This is going to be a big time. He's, it's going to be until next September when they kick it off that all people are going to be talking about is Hugh Freeze, the disgruntled fired coach from Ole Miss who was caught calling escorts and um, all of this. That's all you're going to hear until the football season starts. And then they're going to start critiquing him on the field. And he doesn't like any of the criticism. It comes with the territory. You have to ignore it. And you have to go about doing your business. He struggled with that in the past. Let's see how he's able to handle that going forward. It's going to be pivotal. He's a football coach. He's got a lot of good qualities. And I think in terms of who's a fit for Auburn, in terms of personality alignment with the boosters and what have you, it's a really good fit. Now, if he does something off the field in any way, shape, and form, that's the question about the fit. Is he a fit anywhere in a public spotlight? This is a fishbowl at Auburn. I mean, you're going to be scrutinized like any other. I mean, look, this is a university that, not a university, but boosters that put out a hat, tried to do a hatchet job on their former coach. And so you know that if he doesn't work on the straight and narrow and do things the right way and align correctly, and I think he will, again, he's a very political guy, then this could be a mess. Um, and remember, the people that are pulling the strings behind the scenes, the money brokers, they don't get fired because school needs their money and they want involvement. It's the presidents, it's the athletic directors, even the board of trustees can get voted out. But the one, the people that just stay in line are those folks. So does he cross any one of those guys? Does it cross any lines? Does he, does he do something that's embarrassing that could, that could cause a problem? That's the only thing that I do not think that would happen because, A, you wouldn't think it should ever happen, but you think he would have learned his lesson. This is his last shot. Uh, but on the football field, I think he's got some potential to do a lot of good things. We'll see how, see how it plays out. We'll hear to chronicle it for you every step of the way. Hey, appreciate you joining us. A reminder to check out LandryFootball.com for the, all the latest inside news and information around the world of college football and the NFL. Uh, all the film breakdowns, all the coaching searches, all the information. Appreciate you joining us. We'll talk to you next time. So long, everybody.